As we prepare to hear the message, let's say a prayer together as we read from the Word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, They grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It is good to be with you. Uh, Welcome to, uh, again, just personally want to extend this uh, in front of a, a remnant, I would say, of our congregation. Welcome, Ryan and Michaela. I I know that this church has been looking forward to your arrival, but I also can assure you this, that you will enjoy the people that God has placed here for such a time as this. May you be blessed, may you be encouraged, and may your ministry yield much fruit. But more about that next week. The Word of God, a light unto our path. Amen. I like Pastor Jen's emphasis that uh, we can turn to the Word of God in times of fear. We can turn to the Word of God in times of anxiety, but the Word of God is, uh, is always life-giving. It all, always seeks to encourage us to recognize that God has given us some assurances that we can kind of hang our head on and live by. So whether the storms are there or whether we are in the desert, whether it feels like a good season of life or whether it feels like a turmoil season of life, the assurance we have from, one, from God's Word is that God, through Jesus Christ, has promised that He will always be faithful to His promises. And I want to encourage you today to hold on to that, uh, to make the Word of God uh, a part of your routine, to meditate on it, to think upon it, to lean into it. In a day and age where there is so many words being shared from many platforms, there is this assurance we have upon which we can navigate or we can discern how to live our lives. Let us not forsake the gift of God's Word. Amen? 
And with that said, if I could just quickly promote this, on Wednesday nights for one hour, we're going to talk about the text of the sermon. And so if you'd like to come out and speak more about Scripture and listen more to the Word of God, I invite you to come on Wednesday nights. There is a verse in this particular text that all of us probably are drawn to when we hear it, and it is, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Have you heard that? Can you raise your hand? Participation, group participation. But did you recognize what just came before it? Are you envious because I am generous? What a question. (laughs) What a question for those who seek to follow Jesus. Are you envious because I am generous? So this particular parable is an interesting one. It is about uh, a landowner who uh, goes out and employs people. And it seems like the values of the landowner is not quite the same as the values of those he employs. Now, when you begin to follow Jesus as the disciples has, as Peter has, you soon realize that the ways of Jesus or the way of the kingdom, if I could put it this way, is always challenging to our own ways of living life. And so when Jesus uh, becomes kind of the one that we follow, remember when Jesus says to Peter, get behind me? I think a good posture for Christians today who wants to participate in the kingdom of God is to always realize that Jesus gets to set the course. He gets to set the direction. And when we allow him to follow, we begin to see through his eyes, through where he wants to lead us, what this kingdom is about. Now, let me just say this anecdotally. I think that we are tempted to do what Peter does all the time. We tend to get ahead of Jesus, and we're trying to say to him what we think this all should be about. Can I get a head nod? Sometimes we get ahead of Jesus, and we say, I think this is what your kingdom is. I think this is how you do things. I think this is what I believe needs to happen. But in the context of this particular scripture, we see that Jesus is constantly helping his disciples to grab a hold of something that is beyond them. And so in in chapter 18, for example, uh, the question the disciples ask is a question of how they think about kingdom. They say, who is going to be the greatest in this kingdom? Who's going to make it to the top? Tell us what we need to succeed. The SATs are coming. Is that a good reference, American reference? The the evaluation is coming, but we want to know the inside track so that we can get to the front. How do we become the greatest? And then Jesus pulls a little child in front of them and says, unless you become like this little child when you enter the kingdom. And you know what Jesus is saying? The ways of the kingdom are not the ways of the world. It is not the powerful and those who have great resource, but in fact, this little child who is of low status and has no nothing to offer anyone that is accepted into the kingdom. The least of these are welcome here. Uh, and then uh, you remember a week ago I spoke about Peter and I like Peter because I think Peter is honest. And, and Peter comes to Jesus with this question and uh, trying to reconcile the way he thinks about the world. He says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive when somebody offends me repeatedly? The question that Peter asks is not just a question about the offense of somebody who doesn't want to follow Jesus, but it's within the context of perhaps 
we would call today the church. How do I respond when somebody keeps on doing the wrong thing? How, do, how many times do I forgive? By the rabbinic world standards, it was three. By Peter's standard, seven. But by Jesus' standard, we don't count. Now, you've got to understand, when you start to take Jesus seriously and you want to live in his kingdom, the kingdom way will challenge our preferences and our ways. But those who follow Jesus begin to realize that he is trying to bring us into a new way of life, a new way of living, that the world might at one point say, that's not the way to go, this is the way to go. But when we follow Jesus, he challenges us to consider a new way of seeing our world. In fact, preceding this parable, there's this uh, the story of a rich young ruler. Uh, he is rich. He is, uh, is well-educated in all likelihood. He has, he has uh, resources. He has authority. And he is a devout religious person. He'd be on the church board here. He checks off all the boxes on, on, on what it means to be a good man, a successful man, a religious man. But when Jesus challenges him and says, listen, I, I, you know, you, you do all these things, but I want you to sell what you have and give it to the poor. He kind of goes, I'm not willing to go there. And get this, Peter responds to what he just saw. <laughs> and he says to Jesus, he may not be willing, but we gave everything we had to follow you. So tell us how much will we get out of this? You see, Peter's perspective of the kingdom is still about this reward based upon we got on board, we forsake everything, which he didn't really do. I mean, they left their homes, but he still kept his vocation. He, they, he left his home, but he still had his boat. We know that. But let's just give Peter some credit. Peter is saying, unlike this rich guy is not willing to go, I have given up, we have given up everything, so we deserve more. Ah, man, I, I, I resonate with Peter. <laughs> you know, if you, start to, if you start to take Jesus seriously, his principle is going to challenge all kinds of things in your life. Can you imagine if you took this seriously if you were an employer? You know, and, and, and you approached it this way. You, 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 you know, you, you, you said, uh, it doesn't matter your seniority your education or how long you've been working for us. Everybody's on the same scale. Can you imagine if you parented this way? No rewards uh, are more than the other. Even if the kids who don't do the chores, they get in. You know, Peter is expressing to us something that I think is critical and important to be confronted with as those who want to live in the kingdom. That the way of the kingdom does not work on the same principles that we think. And in fact, Jesus would respond to him and say, Peter, let me help you to see again what it means to participate in my kingdom. I am glad, and I want you to hear me say this very clearly, that God does not treat me the way that I am tempted to treat others. I am glad that God operates with grace And not simply on give and take. I am glad that Jesus gives us a perspective of life that challenges many of us who consider that our Christianity is based upon how much we do. Listen, 
Here is the bottom line of this whole text. Jesus is teaching his disciples that it is not your effort or your merit or that you've been an early adopter, that you have been a part of the church for 20 or 30 years. It is the compassion of the landowner who seeks out absolutely everyone who wants to participate and work and calls everyone into his vineyard and says, I will reward everyone who says yes. Amen. I just gave away my punchline. So what do we do with this text? How do we hear it today? A couple of simple, simple points, I think. First of all, the kingdom of God is open, open to all who will respond to God's invitation. So get this, culturally, it was common for people to uh, kind of place, them strategic, place themselves strategically in a township or a village, uh, hoping that some employer will come by and pick them up for a day's labor. These day laborers were more vulnerable than even slaves simply because slaves had the assurance of a master and some form of provision, but day laborers were totally dependent upon the employer reaching out and offering them a day's wage. We also know that these men primarily would be standing uh, you know, at these strategic locations early in the day. And whoever came by would hire who they consider who they want and they would select the ones that they want. As the day progresses, in many cases, the left behinds, the last, the least that was picked uh, or were considered would still be standing. We also know, historically and culturally, that these laborers would often strategically move from one place to another place in order with the hope that somebody would hire them. When the story is told, Jesus is making a profound point. He is saying to us that God is like this landowner who goes out seeking those who need employment, need provision, and he extends the invitation for them to come. If you pay close attention to the story, you, recog you recognize how Jesus tells it. He says he makes an agreement with the first ones, the early risers. Anybody a morning person here? Raise your hand. Anybody right in the front of the line on most things? While others are still waking up, this happens in our homes all the time. You know, you've already done your thing. So Jesus goes out and finds those early risers, those ones who are ready, and he has a conversation with them that the landowner does. He says, listen, if you come and work for me, I will pay you a denarius. A denarius was sufficient wage for a day, perhaps even for these day laborers, very generous. But then the story continues that the laborer continues, the, the landowner continues to go out. And every time he goes out, he employs more people. If you pay attention to the story, he never says to the others how much he would pay them, but he did say to the first ones how much he would pay them. And here's the thing. The first guys who said yes, they are excited to work. They are, they, they, they're going to earn something. They are content, perhaps is the better word, with what they get. Until the end of the story, and at the end of the story, when the landowner decides to pay everybody the same, that which they had been promised no longer seems enough. And I wonder sometimes if the principle of the kingdom and the way of Jesus is challenging for us, in particular when we tend to, 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 to feel like we deserve more than anyone else. That, that, that we have given more, Stu, so I should get more. But 
the kingdom principle is one that all are invited by a compassionate landowner so that they too would have what they need. We live in a world where we tend to look out for number one to the, dis, to, 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 to the disregard of others. We tend to live in a world that says to us, make your life the central and most important thing and the reason you exist is to make everything come to you. But Jesus deconstructs this false perspective and says the kingdom is open to everyone because the landowner as God is compassionate towards every person and desires all to have what they need. Now, the word used in the NRV, NRSV is idle. When we hear the word idle, we think lazy. The original language does not imply lazy when Jesus comes to the second group. It simply means those who have not been chosen. It seems to me that in this invitation of God for all to be a part of his great kingdom work, he is looking not only for those who may be ready and who have said, I'm going and I'm wanting to work, but he's looking for those who others have overlooked, those who others don't think can do the job. You know, sometimes in the church, we tend to operate this way. We tend to kind of think, that's the person that's the most gifted, the person that's the strongest, the person that has the most talent, the person that has the most resource. Sometimes we don't think that anybody wants to pick us, but in this kingdom, this is the kingdom of God. It is the least that he came for. And it is a wonderful story of hope for those sitting amongst us who says, I don't think I have what it takes. The one who invites you, he is faithful, he is discerning, he is compassionate, and he knows who you are. And he extends an invitation to absolutely everyone. What would it look like for us as a church to embrace this kingdom perspective? Uh, one that teaches us it's not about our efforts, although we work hard for the kingdom. It's not about our sacrifice, although sacrifices will be necessary. But it is about learning to see the world the way God does. As those who are standing and waiting to receive the invitation from God to participate in something meaningful, more meaningful than we dare to believe. What if we as a church embrace this idea or as individuals embrace this idea that God's kingdom is the kind of place that makes room for others to know the provision of the Father and to be given grace as we have received it. I don't know um, if you've ever felt envious. Well, I do know. You probably have. Now, I went golfing with Rich once. Um, I was envious of his swing, his golf swing. Um, because he's, he's a few, quite a few years older than me. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Sorry, Rich, I'm picking on you. Uh, but but there's, there's times in my own life where I think that I, um, I tend to lose track of the generosity of God when I start to look 
at the blessing in other people's lives. <laughs> it it can be, be something as simple as this. I, I see my neighbor driving that car that I really like. And, and I know my neighbor, so I'm like, man, I, I don't think they deserve it. I mean, Jesus, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it my all. I mean, Jesus, you know, when I, when, I start to, when I start to look at people through this lens of the way that I think things should work, the way that I think you should deal with people, I start to lose track of the fact that everything I have is because of the mercy of God. You know, the, the power of this parable is, is in the fact that those who began to work for a denarius and agreed to it, along the way, they started to forget that what they have been given is an opportunity by a gracious landowner, and they begin to become envious of anyone else who gets what the gracious landowner gives. In our hearts in our lives, in our ministries, in our church, let us become the ones who are humbled by the grace that has been given us and celebrate the grace that is given to others. Let us become the kind of church that recognize in the great economy of God that there is enough for all who desire to please Him and to respond to His calling. Let us lay down. Let us lay down this burden that we put upon ourselves to have more than we need because God's provision is enough. Sometimes the absence of contentment derives from looking not towards the grace of God, but towards what others have. I have, in my own experience as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, I have been confronted in my own journey of following Jesus with this very, very tempting recurrence in my life to, to compare, uh, to place myself in a position that I feel I deserve more. In fact, I, I would say to you, my friends, that um, uh, I've shared my story with you over the years, and now I'm repeating it. That's okay. Um, that I can name all the things that went wrong in my own experience of growing up in South Africa and the loss of family. There's been times where I have kind of thought about what I had endured, and I've said to God, I said, you know, I, I think I need a break. I, I need a little bit more. And then I, I, I do this, and I hope you're going to be okay with me being this honest. I, I look at other people's lives, and I said, man, they, they didn't have to suffer like this. You know what I've come to realize? A couple of things, a lot of things, but a couple of things for the sermon. One you never know what other people are enduring. You never know what other people are carrying. 
Sometimes we look at people and we say they have so much blessing, they have so much things in their lives, but my friends, the things that God gives, the reward that Jesus gives, is not just the blessings of life, it is the sense of peace with God. And you can have lots and compare your life to those who have more, or you can look to God and say, in His grace, He has given me all I need for this life. Oh, how different we live when we become content with that which has already been given. Each person who sits here has been saved by the wondrous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing left undone so that we can have the assurance, not only of eternal life one day, but the peace of God in our lives today. There is every reason, according to this scripture, to understand that the generosity of God has come to us all, and therefore we can live at peace with God and at peace with others. Are you content today? Are you content today? Or do you find yourself constantly hoping for more? Do you find yourself looking at others and comparing? Do you find yourself longing for that which you don't yet have? The, the word of God comes to us as a word of grace today. The mercy of our God is our source of hope. His compassion is our salvation. In God's kingdom, everything or anything we have is because He has made this possible. Therefore, the church of God can say, in a world that wants to continue tell us that we don't have enough or others have more, that in Christ we have all we need. Therefore, we can have peace today because of Him. Do you want it? I want to say to our young people as I close, I want to say to you that there seems to be a, a movement in our world towards uh, making us the center of all things and, and telling us that it's about our happiness and how much we have and we need more. Have you seen how rapidly they change the technology on cell phones? <laughs> have you realized how everything in our world seems to create this constant sense of not enough, not enough, not enough. At some point, you will realize that anxiety and envy and want are not things that can go away when you pursue the next thing or even acquire it. That the peace of God comes to those who looks to Christ and finds in Him their hope their comfort, their strength, and their supply. Come to rest, church of God, in a season of restlessness. Come to peace, church of God, in a, a season that has just thrown us all for a loop. Do you want to hit pause on the year 2020? Maybe delete. It seems to me that we can respond in one of two ways. We, 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 we can look around and, and continue to live in the way of the world, or we can embrace the way of the kingdom. In the way of the kingdom, God is always extending an invitation. He is always seeking to bless. He is always seeking to include. Is your life that open? 
Is your life that content? Is your life that at peace? Father God, I thank you for your word. I know that in many ways this word is a word for me. I think it is so easy to fall into the temptation to compare, to expect. But may we grasp uh, in a very simple yet powerful way today by your Spirit's presence that we have been given all we need to serve you, to love you, and to live well. May our hearts begin to reflect not an envy, but a generous spirit. May our church always be a place in which more are invited in. I pray for those who have heard this word today and those of us who feel that we've been discontent for a long time. Perhaps it's time for us, Father, to look to you again, to see your grace as sufficient. Give us a spirit of contentment. Give us peace as we trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen.